things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to that. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, we got plenty of KU football talk today. We've got some Big 12 college football talk. We are going to be joined by Andy Stewart of the Kansas Rugby Club for our Johnny's Tavern uh, KU Club interview at 425. We are going to be joined to preview the Oklahoma side of things with Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman who covers OU for them. So, fun show ahead. We also have Florida Man Mad Lips in the 5 o'clock hour. Derek, huge news. Okay. Huge news. First of all. I'm going to start grading these on a scale of 1 to 10 <laughs> of, of how huge of news they are. So, first of all. First of all, there's actually two pieces of huge news. Number <laughs> one, we have Rock Talk Sports Talk on Twitter. You can follow us there. Derek normally is the one that does the tweeting for like the show and stuff. On today, Derek, you tweeted that today's show was 10-12-23. So welcome oh, to no. the future. <laughs> welcome to RCST from the future. No, I'm not deleting it. People have <laughs> okay. figured it out. But actually, the actual huge news. Are you ready? Uh-huh. The Miami Dolphins are playing the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. And obviously, they're coming off a loss to the Jets. And Mike McDaniel said today that the players want to block out all distractions for this game against the, the, the Vikings. And one of the ways in which they are doing that, they are removing the ping pong tables from their locker room oh my gosh. to block out distractions. So that's right, folks. You heard it here first. The Dolphins players have removed their ping pong tables from their home locker room so that they can block out distractions for the Vikings game this weekend. All right, I will give that one a three and a half out of ten. Um <laughs> I love that, though. I love that it's like, you know, these guys have no other option to be distracted. They, they won't be able to go on their phone. They won't be able to go home. They won't be exactly. able to go out to bars. The ping pong tables. That's what we need to focus on here. Love it. Uh, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. I think I saw the line on Late Night in the Fog is blue team minus seven. No, I'm just joking. Um, I'm, I'm hammering blue team. <laughs> you are. Uh, yeah, no, you'll be able to bet on on all the KU basketball action coming up here on DraftKings as well. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued as free bets, one boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings dot or at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. So I wanted to do, uh, we haven't done this segment in a while. Hey, what's going on over there? But I think it it applies for, it's actually kind of a, hey, what's going on over here? Because we're in Lawrence. Um, Jalen Daniels edition, or I guess Jalen Daniels injury edition, because this was certainly wild last night. I think we had the Zach Boyer tweet occur yesterday during during the the show. show. So we talked about it and talked about the breaking news of 
Jalen being out for the year. And then the 5 o'clock hour, we mentioned that um, there were some players who were kind of refuting it. By the time we were done with the show... It had turned into a full-blown, like... Yes. Kind of in that 6 o'clock hour. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. uh, It was absolutely just kind of crazy. So, um, let's just recap. And for certain people, I mean, there are people who listen to the show who, whether you're listening on the radio or the podcast, who don't have Twitter or just don't check Twitter. So, they might even be thinking, like, wait, what's going on here? All right. So, here's what happened. Zach Boyer tweeted this out. Kansas quarterback Jalen Daniels is expected to miss the rest of the season with a grade three separation of his right shoulder per sources. And then he had some commentary. It's a tough blow for Daniels, who's opening a lot of eyes nationally for his and the Jayhawks start this season. It's Jason Bean's team now. Now, Zach worked for the LJ World, KUSports.com for a brief bit of time. Recently, he had been stringing because he, he left the industry for another profession, but he had been helping the LJ world out as a freelance writer to help them out with game coverage. Um, But at the time of this report and over the last few weeks, he has not actually been a, a like full time employee. Yes. For the LJ world, which Matt Tate pointed that out. So I do want to mention that here as part of this. He also, Matt pointed out that Zach did not go through the proper reporting channels and is no longer representing the company in any way. So keep that in mind here. Zach has not deleted the tweet, though, so he's sticking by the reporting here. So then after that, and we talked about this one yesterday, on three, which is a, you know, kind of up-and-coming new big-time, like, recruiting site, kind of did the aggregate reporting on their, like, Instagram page of basically that, yeah, Jalen Daniels out for the year or whatever. Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson commented on the report on Instagram. Melo Dotson said that's cap. Kobe Bryant said fake news. We brought that stuff up yesterday. What happened after the show? Jalen Daniels quote tweeted the Zach Boyer tweet itself. And he said, sheesh, that's news to me. So now you have it being refuted by the guy who is actually injured here. Then this this was my favorite part of the night. Yeah, this was the most interesting. Yeah. Or the most unexpected. Because this wasn't actually like a direct thing of being like, of Lance Leipold took to Twitter. He didn't just come out and just be like, oh, Jalen's not injured. It just, it was the ultimate, like, it, it was almost like a, a trolling, like, kind of like a, um, you know, hey, make it seem like I just posted something out of the blue, but we all know what I'm referring to here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not like actually a, mentioning. A subtweet. Yes, exactly. And he said, look who dropped by my office tonight. It had two pictures of Jalen Daniels sitting in like an office chair. One of them was with Jalen flexing. The other was with Jalen like holding his arms straight up in the air. To which (laughs) I love the idea there that it's like, see, he's not injured. He can hold his arms up straight, (laughs) you know, as if that like completely clears it. Um, But that, that was by far the funniest part of the night. And then, like, even Lance Leipold's wife, Kelly, got in on it, uh, quote, tweeted the Jalen Daniels tweet with a clapping emoji and a point down to say, like, yes, like this right here. So, um, I guess, where does this leave us? Well, the short answer is we don't know. In the short term, Jason Bean's going to be the quarterback, (laughs) I guess. But I think regardless of whether Jalen was going to be out for the year or just Andy Kotelnicki at his press conference today, and we'll share that for you coming up in a little here. 
He said he's day-to-day. Whether he was day-to-day, whether he was doubtful, like Lance Leipold said yesterday, we all kind of thought that the Jalen was going to be out for this week regardless. So yeah, that's not, I guess, the biggest thing. Which, by the way, the line for the game was like seven, seven and a half, yeah, depending it, where you it look. Jumped big time. Yes, after that news came out, it jumped to like nine, nine and a half. Some places even had it at ten, to which is the ultimate overreaction because again, we thought Jay, whether Jalen's out for the season or going to be back in a week, I don't think a lot of people expected him to play against. Oklahoma no, so like, why did it change the line? That feels like to me the betting public. Um, just yeah. caught, I don't know, maybe didn't know that was the case and that they just overreacted to it. So honestly, with DraftKings, if you can still get Kansas at, you know, plus eight and a half, plus nine points, something like that, now's your time to do it. Um, I think that I'll say this. I'm not really going to take a stand on which side here of Zach's report or the players, what they're saying or all this stuff. Um, I'm not really going to take a side one way or another. I just want to like let more stuff come out because here's why. I think it's better to let this stuff play out. It's entirely possible that, like, what if Jalen does end up being out for the season, but what if they're waiting on, like, a second opinion? You know what I mean? So what if the report came a little bit too early jumping the gun, yeah. but it could still end up being right? You know what I mean? Um, or what if it is right and KU is just trying to, I don't know, kind of cover the tracks a little bit here, like... um, it's it's a bit of, I guess, what I would kind of term, I don't know, like media preparation warfare and that you're basically trying to make the opposition prepare even more for the game if they don't know who your starting quarterback is going to be, if they have to prepare for two different guys. Now, how much really are they going to change their preparation depending if it's Bean or Daniels? Like, they're still going to base it on what KU's offense has been, but you want to take every advantage you can to into every game because even every you know tiny iota of an advantage I guess could matter so you could convince me that this is Kansas just trying to reel back in the story and trying to play that preparation warfare um and like quick side note to that because we've heard comments from Brent Venables saying Dylan Gabriel is gonna play or, or that he expects him to play I believe was the term in, terminology there we also saw Brent Venables in Oklahoma bring Dylan Gabriel out into warmups, wearing his full uniform, looking like he was going to play, and he did not against Texas. So what if both coaches are just trying to mess with each other and play mind games and be like, no, no, our quarterback's fine, and then neither one starts? Is that a real possibility? I I, I, I don't I don't really know what to think. That's a that. little tinfoil hattie, but I, I don't think yeah, it's that crazy. It is. But listen, I, you know, I'll put on the tinfoil hat if you want me to. Mm. I mean, it's it's fun, <laughs> right? Okay. Wouldn't that be but so fun? Both coaches would are be, just like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just waiting the, now. KU's gonna be like Daniel the, Highshaw's back. On on the KU side of things, like I think you touched on it. This just doesn't really change that much. Certainly mm-hmm. in the short term, like that's the other part of it. We, like I said, I think we were both under the impression well before this all this news came out that we didn't we didn't think Jalen Daniels was likely to play this week, and I think I even mentioned that. When you have a guy like Jason Bean as your backup, why would you not go ahead and hold Jalen Daniels out till you know he's 100% when you've got an experienced guy who is in his fourth, fifth year of college football as your backup? Why not let Jalen Daniels get fully back to 100%? Whether that's he comes back after the bye week against Oklahoma State, or maybe it takes him a little bit longer, or maybe he ends up actually being unable to come back this season. So, yeah, I just I just think in the short term it doesn't really change much, and and 
I was I was a bit surprised, I guess, by the the ferocity of the reaction of KU, like program wise, like Lance, the players, and even Lance's wife. Like that was a very very intense reaction, I would say. Yeah. So, like I said, um, this could be something where it ends up being right, but they're waiting on a second opinion, or they're waiting to see if you know maybe in a week, like if I don't know, swelling's down or just feeling better, that maybe he can go. So it could be wrong, could be a bad source, could be a bad report. I'm just saying right now, let's just breathe. Uh, truth will play itself yeah, out. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. Yeah, so uh, if you thought Jalen was going to be out this week, which we did anyway, you know, that doesn't change this week. It's more of a long-term thing, which, again, like that stuff I would imagine is going to come out in, I don't know, the coming days, coming weeks, something like that. Because I don't think KU is going to just say Jalen Daniels is day-to-day for the rest of the season. I guess we did see I mean, that with like Eric Berry with the Chiefs. So it's not yeah, it's not like yeah. unheard of. Um, yeah, that, and, and, I, don't, and I, don't, I don't know if... This sort of this attempt to maybe get out in front of the news might change how KU was going to was planning to originally handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Like if they thought he was going to be out or whatever, that however they were planning to handle it. I don't know if this maybe changes their approach, uh, one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just kind of just kind of wait and see. And I think, like I said, I, I, at least as of this week and this game against Oklahoma, I think we're right where we thought we would be. And we'll just have to go from there, I guess. Yeah. And like I said, it resulted in me getting a better line on KU. So uh, I can't be mad about it. But I still do love that conspiracy. Both coaches are just like I mean, I guess we'll playing mind if, games we'll with each other. If, if Dylan Gabriel plays. I'm here for it. Chestnut checkers. With Nick Springer, I'm wait, 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 Johnson. Bro, hold on. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. One thing. What's my, up? So my, my dad listens to the show. He yes. The show. Hi, Nick's dad. Uh, what's up, dad? He <laughs> he texted me during the open and was asking about a Fat Bear Week update. Oh yeah, because okay. Yesterday I'm was the, gonna, yesterday yeah. was the end of the voting. So, Dude, I've been so seeing dad, this a here, lot more here, on social media than I thought. Here's the Fat Bear Week update: <laughs> Bear seven four seven one with sixty eight thousand votes, while mm-hmm. runner up Bear nine zero one got fifty six thousand. So I said last and week seven four seven that this is his this is his third win, I think. Wow, of Fat Bear Week. What a beast. Dynasty. Um, I, I think I said last week I didn't care about this. I started seeing more of it over social media, and now I'm, I'm totally invested. These bears are – like, I didn't realize they're how also, big they're they They're huge. Yes, they if, are massive. I mean, you have, you seen the, have you seen the before and after pictures? Yes. The picture of them, like, in April, and then they, like, they like literally triple in size for hibernation. If you would have led with this for huge news, I would give you a 10 out of 10. He's next well, Springer. My dad wanted an update, so I had to give it to him. <laughs> I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got some Andy Kotelnicki audio, the KU offensive coordinator. Spoke with the media earlier today. We'll share that for you on the other side. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, and KLWN.com. And we're joined by Ryan Aber, who is the Oklahoma beat writer for the Oklahoman, to get kind of a peek at the Oklahoma side of the game on Saturday at 11 o'clock, which you can hear right here on KLWN. So, Ryan, how, how would you most describe what has kind of gone wrong for Oklahoma over these last three games and, and really the last two in these blowout losses to uh, TCU in Texas? Gosh, I don't know if we have time to go through all of that. <laughs> it's been, uh, I guess, total disaster is the closest uh, thing to it. Their Their defense has been pretty well completely ineffective over the last three games their offense without Dylan Gabriel is uh, is toothless as well and uh, they've they've just fallen apart over uh, over these last three games after a, a fairly promising start 
And I I think one thing that's been a, a pretty big talking point for us here in trying to, I guess, kind of handicap this game or, or figure out what's going to happen is, is what's going to be the, I guess, mentality of Oklahoma coming into this game. Because obviously there is still a lot of talent on the roster and, you know, Brent Venables still has done a lot of really good things as a coach that it wouldn't shock you if all of a sudden one random week things turned on and they figured it out. And if that happened this week, then that changes the way that we would kind of view how this game goes. There's other uh, the other side of it where it's, you know, at, at points, I know uh, I'm sure a lot of the, the fan base down there would say it looked like they were kind of giving up or, or quitting maybe at different points in that Texas game and that, um, you know, if, if that's going to be kind of the idea coming into this one where it's like, well, we're sitting at three and three, our playoff hopes are down the drain, we don't have as much of a season to play for from what our expectations were, then it's a whole nother ball game figuring out, okay, well, maybe Kansas should be favored in this game. So I, I guess how do you kind of handicap a, a game like this where you don't really know what Oklahoma is going to bring from just the mental standpoint and what's kind of the the thought around the program down there for, for how that portion of things is going, like the, the not on paper stuff? Yeah, they're still saying the right things, talking about staying motivated and, and, and turning things around and having the right attitude uh, about things and, uh, you know, feeling like there's still something to play for. But just the, the human nature element, is it's really hard to maintain that for very long. And uh, I think we, as you get deeper and deeper into this uh, slump that they've been in, it becomes harder to, to uh, pull themselves out. And they're, like you said, there's still a lot of talent on this team. We saw it perform early in the season, even on the defensive side of the football, where they, uh, you know, it only allowed 30 points over the first three games. But uh, since that side has, has had problems at, at every level. And then on the offensive side, there's, there's still a lot of talent and there's still the ability to put up enough points to win a lot of games uh, with Dylan Gabriel. So I think that that's the dangerous side. Of things, if now if that offense, if those guys, if Dylan Gabriel, if Marvin Mims, if Eric Gray, uh, you know Marcus Major, those guys start the offensive line, those guys start giving up and, and wilting, then this thing can, uh, you know, really the the bottom can really fall out of it. But to this point, like I said, they've put on the right front, they've said the right things, but it's getting to a point where they're going to have to have some kind of indicator that that's working and pushing them in a positive direction or, uh, uh, you know, it's going to get even tougher for them. Kansas historically has been maybe sort of a, almost a bye week for teams like Oklahoma. Last year it was a close game in Lawrence, though. How much do you think last year's game maybe come plays into this, this game coming up this week? You know, honestly, I, I don't think much. I think if OU was in a different position right now, that it certainly would. Now, I say that. I don't think much on the OU side. Um, if OU was playing better right now, I think certainly there would be a lot of talk about, well, uh, you know, can't overlook Kansas, things like that, even with where, where Kansas stands and what they've done uh, to this point, there would be a little bit more of an edge to this game. I think at this point on OU side, it's just, hey, they got to fix what's wrong with themselves before they start worrying about anything else or, or worrying about last year, especially when, uh, it, you know, the guy who 
really led that charge last year. Caleb Williams is no longer there. Now, on the Kansas side, you know, I think certainly there's a, uh, a confidence that that game gave them. And obviously they didn't pull out the win that day, but were able to uh, sort of use that to get some wins late, late in the season and then uh, build that motivation, that the momentum uh, for this year. But I, I think on the OU side, I'm not sure that last year's game plays a ton into it just because of the circumstances of what's happened over the last uh, three weeks. Is there any chance that some of the comments that have been made about, you know, Dylan Gabriel likely to play that that could just be, I guess, kind of like preparation media warfare in terms of the, you know, coaching staff trying to give Kansas something else to prepare for, or does it seem pretty certain that he is going to play this week? I don't get the sense that it's that, especially after seeing him come out for warm-ups on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl, which that clearly was uh, you know, trying to keep up the roots for as long as they, they possibly could. The fact that he was back out at practice Monday, even though that's a, a really light day for them. I, I do think there's genuine hope that he can play and uh, uh, you know, be able to uh, get back in there and get out of the concussion protocol, but uh, you know he's going to have to have another uh, a, a, another clear day today, Wednesday, uh, and, and then uh, sometime tomorrow they'll they'll make that final determination. But uh, their offense is clearly extremely different with Dylan Gabriel in charge. They're one of the better offenses in the country, even though they weren't uh, as consistent or as flashy as they've been over the last few years, they were still really, really good on offense. Uh, but without Dylan Gabriel, it was just uh, just futile offensively for them last week. They had to do all kinds of different stuff. They don't trust Davis Bevel clearly. They clearly don't trust anybody behind him. So they've got to go to uh, the, the gimmick stuff, and uh, that only takes you so far. So uh, I, I think certainly for OU to have a chance in this game, that uh, the uh, talk about Dylan Gabriel playing uh, better be real. On the defensive side of the ball, it's been a struggle this year for Oklahoma, especially stopping the run. I, I think I saw the, the gap between Oklahoma to ninth is bigger than the gap from ninth to first in terms of Big 12 rushing defense. Uh, what's kind of going on on that end of the ball? Because when you think Brent Venables, you think of having this really good defense. So what has kind of led to their struggles on that end? Well, I, I think, first of all, you start off with the fact that they've lost a lot of talent off last year's defense. You know, Perrion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Brian Osamoa, uh, those are all guys that are playing in the NFL right now. And they, they lose that off a of defense that wasn't very good last year. And so they, they are clearly, we're going to take a little bit of a step back as much as Brent Venables' reputation made people think that, uh, you know, they were going to make some big leap. And as much as they look like they made a big leap over the first uh, three games, but I, I think they're, certainly their, their depth, particularly at linebacker, has been exposed there. They don't have anybody really that they can roll out behind Deshaun White and, and David Aguebu and Danny Sussman that they feel really confident about, uh, especially after Shane Witter got injured last week. Um, and uh, TD Roof was lost for the season just before the year, but it's really gone beyond that. Their secondary has really struggled the last couple weeks. 
Um, and, and then that defensive line, especially as they've gone to a three-man front look, uh, hasn't been able to be disruptive the way they were early in the season. So, I, And then you look at you know, Brent Venables has been very consistent in saying that he wanted to run his system you know, regardless of uh, any of the outside uh, pressure, outside noise. But the problem is he's running basically the defense that he ran at Clemson without the Clemson players uh, and the uh, the guys, the depth that they've been able to roll in and out of there. So it's it's just been a struggle across the board for them defensively. But like you mentioned, particularly uh, that run defense, which has actually been something they've been fairly good at even the last few years as their defense has struggled, uh, has just uh, completely collapsed. Well, when you look at this matchup with Kansas, what sticks out to you that Kansas does well that could cause OU a lot of problems? And is there anything that you see that OU could have uh, a big advantage in in this game? Yeah, I, I think you you got to start off with the, uh, the the quarterback run game, and and you know clearly that dynamic changes without Jalen Daniels uh, in there. But uh, you know Brent Venables heaps a lot of praise on, on uh, Bean. Uh, yesterday on Tuesday when we talked to him and um, that's been something that a, a team with any kind of mobility at quarterback has really been able to exploit that with OU's uh, uh, problems defending the run and, and particularly making impact plays at the, the second level and I, I think that's certainly something that, that Kansas is going to take advantage of and then you know on, on the other end just uh, you know, Kansas's uh, 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 there's just, well, uh, OU's inability, especially if Dylan Gabriel uh, doesn't play, just to really stretch the field, I think certainly uh, could play into Kansas's favor because their defense has been fairly solid overall. And to be able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, keep them from making those big explosive plays that have been so uh, much a part of what the Sooners have done offensively over the last two years is uh, a, a different look. He is Ryan Aber. You can check him out. He covers Oklahoma football for the Oklahoman. Ryan, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and uh, hopping on board with us here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. That was Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman joining us here to preview the OUKU game from the OU side of things here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We've got more KU football talk coming throughout the day. We've got a Big 12 breakdown. Florida Man Mad Libs to come in the 5 o'clock hour as well. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on RCST. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered. Located right off I-70 in five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Andy Stewart, the head coach of the KU Rugby Club, is going to join us for our KU Club interviews. Brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in about 20 minutes from right now. We also will get to some... Uh, Big 12 basketball notes and a college football whip around coming up in a little later this hour. KU Defensive Notebook, Florida Man Mad Libs, those to come in the 5 o'clock hour here. But I want to get to a Big 12 breakdown 
and uh, kind of recapping, looking at some of the stuff that happened in the Big 12 over the weekend. The most notable outside of the Kansas TCU game, which is game day, top 20 matchup, all that stuff, was probably what happened in the Red River shootout, whatever. <laughs> the Red River rivalry. Yeah. We, we've uh, had this discussion before. I, don't I know, know and I can is. never remember which one it properly <laughs> is. Uh <laughs> gosh. I yeah. Somebody could be like, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if you get it right. Like, Sorry. Just take your money. Um I, OU I, got out yarded. It was it was almost like six hundred yards to under two hundred yards in that game. Not even close. Forty nine nothing. Their lead quarterback had less than forty passing yards. They didn't have Dylan Gabriel, but he completely changes their offense. But it it's it's weird for me trying to figure out this OU team. Because they started the year three and zero. Yep. They blew everybody out after they beat Nebraska. You and I were saying that they were head and shoulders above every other team in the conference. They had no sweat with the Nebraska game. Nope. And since then, and, and the loss to Kansas State isn't even like that bad. It's a close loss to Kansas State. But the last two really. Yes. So I wonder if if Kansas State like uncovered something. Well, it's like losing to K-State for, what, the fourth time in five years or whatever. It's like that finally broke them. Yeah. Like that was that was that loss finally. They continue to lose to K-State, and that one finally broke them. So I guess, I mean, as much as this week is important for KU, for Oklahoma, like, this, this is kind of your last stand. If Oklahoma yes. beats Kansas, I think you can get back on the idea that, okay, maybe they're starting to figure out, maybe they will work their way to 7-8. Maybe they could win out and get to nine wins. Um if yeah. they lose, though, I think the talk is going to start to be like, could this just be a bottoming out year for OU and they only win like four games? Yes. I, I, if Oklahoma season is not already over, a loss to Kansas would certainly be the final nail in the coffin of, of which their season would be effectively over based on where they hoped they would be. So, yes, from that standpoint, they absolutely have to win. But what I keep going back to is with this discussion of Oklahoma is if they really were going to care and show up, it would have happened against Texas. Like, I understand you don't have your starting quarterback, but that that's not – I mean, is does Dylan Gabriel erase a 49 nothing game? Is Dylan Gabriel worth 50 points? No, he's not that. He's not that. No, it just, he's uh, not. So makes what, it more I mean, competitive. What, yeah, I mean, like, if, if there was a game that they were going to show up and, and kind of get – you know, show some pride, I guess, you would think it would be the Red River rivalry, showdown, shootout, whatever. Instead, they just rolled over and let their biggest rival destroy them. So what I don't I guess from that standpoint, from my perspective, is like what gives you confidence if you're Oklahoma that they're gonna show up and take any pride in trying to beat Kansas? That's a very fair point to bring up. I just wonder if being embarrassed that much to your rival is that extra wake-up call. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. Either one, it's like you get embarrassed and now it's like you're just done, right? You're just out of it. Or you get embarrassed and it and it lights something and you're able to turn it around. Yeah. But I, I just don't I don't see how you can have, I mean, like I said, unless Dylan Gabriel comes back and, and returns to elite form or hits maybe a new form that we haven't even seen him hit yet. Because that's the other thing about Oklahoma. With, like, the defense being bad, that's not something new for Oklahoma, right? They've always their defense has always been not that great. What was different for Oklahoma in the past was they could rely on a top five, top two, top one picks, Heisman Trophy winners consistently to carry them. Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, like the list goes on of elite quarterbacks. And Dylan Gabriel, while he is a good quarterback, he is not 
in that in the same stratosphere as those guys, I don't think. So even if he does come back and he and he's playing to a you know a high level, it's not going to be the Oklahoma of old. No, and also not. and also that, that's not even getting to the to the point of their defense is actually significantly worse than it's ever been. Yeah. Well, I think it's also good to point out because because Gabriel is having like like you said it's not a Heisman season it is a strong season eleven touchdowns no interceptions over twelve hundred yards but it's not like he was you know faultless the TCU game he was seven of sixteen for one hundred twenty six yards before he the, went the, out the K State game I can think of about five or six different throws that he missed on also I so yeah I don't know and on the other side with Texas Texas looks really Texas, good they are now the Texas, betting favorite. Yeah, Texas with, with Quinn Ewers looks like they are going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, take take that as you will. I know it's I know it, it's oh it's it's Texas, but like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Quinn Ewers looks like he's the real deal, and they look like they could be uh, a serious threat. At this point, I think I would probably pick Texas and Oklahoma State. I know that's not like you know, making a, a sexy pick or anything because those yeah. are the two betting favorites to win the Big 12. But I mean, is that being disrespectful to TCU? Maybe a little bit. I guess I, we'll find out. They're playing Oklahoma State this weekend. Yes, we're going to... The thing is, we still don't know. It's one of those things where it's like you start pulling at the threads and you can just come up with ideas why we don't know why anyone's good. You can do this every <laughs> year, but you can do that with TCU right now because you could say, oh, well, they just got a big road win against top 20 Kansas team. What happens if Kansas is going to struggle down the stretch here and finishes, you know, six and six, seven and five? And if Oklahoma ends up being a four-win team, yeah, Oklahoma and, and that blowout win that put them on the map is no longer like a huge deal. And they beat SMU by eight, who just lost to UCF by like, by like 30. forty. Yeah, I think it was like sixty-one yeah. to nineteen or something. I I guess I don't know. I I I mean, I think I, TCU is good. Yes, at this point, I think you have to say that TCU is good. Mm-hmm. Like, are they? The second best team in the conference, maybe. Are they the third best team in the conference? Could be, but it is tough. And and, and again, maybe. But then you look at Oklahoma State, who is playing TCU this weekend. Oklahoma State still has some things that you could probably question them on. I mean, they have the win against Baylor, but outside of that, they they hadn't played anybody prior to the Baylor game. So, are we sure that they are who we think they are? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, I think it's entirely possible that TCU could be one of the two best teams in the Big 12 and that they could also just be like a 7 or 8 win team. I think it's entirely possible that <laughs> Baylor could be one of the two best teams in the Big 12 and that they could also be like 6 and 6. <laughs> it's it's impossible to tell right now in the Big 12. Yes. I, well, I, and you and I have been going back and forth on this. It's like we we need we need to we need to just figure this out. One week the Big 12 is wide open. Yes. The next week we think oh, use the best team <laughs> in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. The next week it's wide open. The next week we think Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big Twelve. The next week it's wide open. We, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure it out here. Are we saying it's wide open? I think we're saying it's wide open. I think the answer is it's wide open. It's just there's like a a best answer for who wins the wide openness. Maybe <laughs> if Oklahoma State beats TCU handedly this weekend, then it's gonna are, be hard not to yeah. say they're in the driver's seat. Yeah, I think at that point they're definitely. And I think even right now, prior to this TCU game, they're probably the best team. But there's not a large gap. Now, no. but if they go out and they, you know, twenty ball TCU or whatever, then I think you'd have to say that they're probably in that, in that category as being that much better. Which teams in the Big Twelve would you say right now can't go to the Big Twelve title game? 
West Virginia. Agree with that. I obviously, think, mathematically, they can, but that's not what I mean here. And yeah, obviously, West, you know that. West Virginia and Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Iowa State, I think maybe, I mean, mathematically, they're not eliminated, but they have two losses in conference, I think. The, Iowa they, State has three. West three Virginia losses. has two. They'd have to win out and hope for a tiebreaker. So, again, yeah, so I, Iowa State, West Virginia. Yeah. Oklahoma, would you give them any chance at winning out, finishing six and three, maybe getting a shot? Mm, I guess they already have three losses. You could probably put them in the category of of not making it. This is crazy. So Oklahoma has allowed 145 points in their three Big 12 games. Wow. The next worst is 112. And the next worst besides that is 93. <laughs> it's like a sizable gap with how bad their defense has been. Yeah. And then I, I, I'm i hesitant to say Texas Tech because I think they have an outside shot. I, I don't know. My, Beat my, Texas? My opinion of Texas Tech has not changed in that they are a team that seems like they could probably beat anybody in the conference, but also could lose to anybody in the conference. Yes, I think that's exactly right. <laughs> I think Texas Tech can beat anyone that will play for the Big 12 title. In fact, they beat Texas, like we said, yeah, who they beat Texas. might be going there. They almost beat Oklahoma State last week, but I don't think they'll have the consistency to win yeah. that many games. So I, I wouldn't say any of those four will make it. So I don't think have, I'd put Kansas in that discussion. I, I know I don't want to be like the downer, but yeah, but yeah. So and you're you're left with Kansas, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and did I forget somebody? Did you say Texas? And Texas. Yeah. Okay, and Texas. Yeah. So those six teams we think still have a chance. And for for Kansas, it's a small chance. Yeah, I would say. But again. We have only ever viewed KU through the lens of getting to a bowl game. So that I mean, if you were on the very if you were on the extreme optimistic end of the spectrum, maybe you were dreaming of a Big Twelve title game, but I I was dreaming of the Cheese It Bowl. And continue <laughs> to dream of the Cheese It Bowl. Every night I have dreams of the Cheese It Bowl. Well, I think this is gonna be the most telling week. Because here's here's the matchups this week. Baylor's at West Virginia. If West Virginia wins that game, I think that's going to answer the question, first of all, that Baylor's not a Big 12 title contender. That's on Thursday night, by the way. Yes, it is. And I think it's also going to tell us maybe Baylor is closer to being like a six or seven win team this year. Um, Kansas, Oklahoma, if Kansas loses, that tells you they're not a real contender there. With Iowa State, Texas, I don't know how much we're going to learn in that unless Iowa State pulls an upset. Yeah, Texas needs to win pretty handily. And then Oklahoma State, TCU. That's going to tell us a lot. Either yep. Oklahoma State is going to go on the road and we're going to say after that game, if they have a big win, that they are in the um, you know driver's seat there. Or we're going to say that, yeah, TCU is legit. And maybe TCU is the team to beat. I mean, if TCU beats Oklahoma State, they, have, they've, they, haven't, even, they haven't played Iowa State yet or Kansas State or Texas Tech. So Texas becomes the toughest remaining team on yeah. the schedule. Well, if TCU, Could TCU go eleven and one, I don't think it's unheard of. If TCU wins that game though, and Kansas beats Oklahoma, that would be interesting. It's going to be very vindicating for KU. And I think at that point we would start having the conversation because, like I said, I'm not willing to put them quite in that tier yet of of Big Twelve title right now. But if if TCU beats Oklahoma State. And Kansas beats Oklahoma, I'll start having that conversation next week. Because to me, that would basically be vaulting TCU into either the number one or number two spot in the Big 12. And KU played them close. Yeah. And KU would beat Oklahoma, a game that 
if you are a true Big 12 title contender, this is one you should take care of, but you're underdogs. Yeah. Well, I think regardless of the outcome of the TCU Oklahoma State game, if you do want to entertain the possibility of KU being a, a serious title contender, A, they have to beat Oklahoma. And they could maybe afford to lose to Baylor, but they probably need to beat Baylor. And then really they they certainly need to beat Oklahoma State. Because if you're if you're considering Oklahoma State and TCU maybe the top two in the conference plus Texas, so those top three, if you're KU and you want a really decent shot at, at making the title game, you probably need to go two and one against those three teams. And you already lost to TCU. So you pretty much have to beat Oklahoma State. And then maybe you could afford I guess maybe you could still afford at that point a loss to Texas. But the Oklahoma State game, I think, is it's at home. I guess Texas is at home, too. But it, it's pretty much a must-win, I think, the Oklahoma State game, if, if you're going to entertain yeah. Kansas as a title contender. Yeah, and you got to win probably this one. Yes. So uh, yes. here's a fun question. What's that? We talked about Jalen Daniels. Where does he rank amongst Big 12 quarterbacks? And we said you could probably say number one. At the very least, you know, he was top three. Top three, yeah. Where would you rank Jason Bean among Big 12 quarterbacks? I think this is a tough question because I don't know that we've seen enough of him this season to definitively say, oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. But based off of his one half against TCU, he, you know, he was, he looked really good, but he was inconsistent. So if you were to swap him out for Jalen Daniels, I mean, I think he, he'd probably still be in maybe the four to six range, right? Somewhere in there, I. it's tough. Okay, so like, if I mean, we're taking Jalen Daniels out of the discussion for the purpose of this because he's yeah, injured, yeah, I think Max Duggan, you would take him. Over Jay, over Jason? Yeah, I think yeah. Spencer Sanders has looked really good this You'd year. probably take him, yeah. Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers. Dylan I think Gabriel. I'd go Dylan Gabriel. And, and then, then after you, that. Then you have like JT Daniels? Yeah. Would, like, would you take JT Daniels over Jason Bean? Maybe. I don't, uh, for KU's I don't, offense, you take Bean, obviously. Yeah, the style but Daniel's of a better thrower. Um, yeah, you t- you would take Bean over Hunter Decker's. I is like think. Jason Bean and Adrian Martinez. Is that that big of a difference there? Uh, listen, I'm biased. But yeah, I think right. Bean's a little better. <laughs> well, so I guess the point is he's somewhere between like, I think he's better than Hunter Decker's and Donovan Smith. So he's somewhere yes. between the fifth and eighth. Yes, which is a little problematic because that would be a big drop from having the number one guy to having the if he was the seventh best. But also, I think very much like the teams, there's not that not that much of a difference. How much of a difference is there from JT Daniels if he's like the sixth or seventh best quarterback in the Big 12 to Spencer Sanders, who might be the third or fourth? Is there that much of a difference? Uh, Yeah, I think there would be a... I would say there's a pretty sizable difference there between those two guys, I think. Hmm. Right? Maybe. I don't know if there is. <laughs> But regardless, I, I don't think we've seen enough from Jason Bean because we we highlighted his inconsistencies that he struggled with last season. And he's only played one quarter, and we saw the high. But are we going to see a low against Oklahoma or against Baylor or however long he yeah. needs to play? Yep, that's the question because his high is being one of those top three guys. But we've seen the low, like you said. All right, with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We get to our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. Coming up next, Andy Stewart of the KU Rugby Club on the other side. This is RCST. Special guest Andy Stewart once again joins us here in the KLWN studio as we have our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. Go check out 
either their two locations, north the original location where you can feel like a part of the neighborhood out at Johnny's Tavern North and Andy Stewart of the KU Rugby Club joining us here. So uh, season progressing on. We, we've talked before, obviously, it's kind of a split between you know fall season and, and a spring season and whatnot. Kind of recap me what, what's gone on over the course of uh, the season so far. How, how's everything gone for, for your squad? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Derek. It's it's going well, mate. We, um, you know, we set a plan at the start of the season to uh, to grow on last year and and really uh, develop uh, the team with their skill set and uh, their shape and structure. And, and we've been doing that uh, effectively. So we're now two rounds into the Heart of America South Conference, which is uh, ourselves, K State, uh, Missouri, and Arkansas. And um, we played Missouri two weeks ago and had a good win at home there with a 22-7 victory. We started slow in the first half. It was 7 at half time, And then uh, we started to get into better shape in the second half and really uh, ran, ran away with that victory, which was good. Uh, and unfortunately, last weekend against K-State at home, our alumni weekend as well, we went down uh, to K-State in a really hard-fought game. And congratulations to them. They were really fast and strong over the ball. Um, and we couldn't counter that, and then we just had far too many handling errors. Uh, we had 18 handling errors for the game, and you can't win games of rugby when you're dropping the ball. So um, it's a work on for us, which is, you know, uh, I said to the boys, it's uh, a simple problems are good problems to have. You know, if it, if it was a if it was a shape or structure problem, then we've we've had we'd have a lot of work to do. Where when it's a catch pass situation, that's something we can definitely improve on um, at every training session. So is is it something where you'll get another chance to to play Kansas State this season and, and try to bounce back in, in that matchup? Yeah, it is. We get to play them again on the 29th uh, at their home ground in uh, Manhattan there. So we get a, a chance to really reset and uh, have a good close look at ourselves and what we did right and wrong. Um, so we play all, all the teams in the conference, in the South Conference twice, and then we have a Heart of America championship on the 12th and 13th of November, and that's going to be in Des Moines. Okay, and what's upcoming for you guys as far as home matchups? Is there anything left on on the schedule here in Lawrence? Unfortunately, we only have one more home game, which is on the fifth of November, and that's against Arkansas, which will be a really tough matchup. They were a pretty tough team last year to beat for sure. Um, we've got Mizzou away this weekend, uh, and then Arkansas away the following, and then K State away, and then Arkansas at home. So, do you guys get? Uh, attendance at all for, for the road games for when you do play like a Kansas State or Missouri do you get some Jayhawk fans uh, coming to the game kind of rooting you on in, in some of those big rivalries? Yeah we definitely do particularly to K-State being so close to, to Lawrence we get a lot of guys uh, that travel with the team to go and watch that, that match up but equally in Arkansas and in Missouri we'll get locals that have settled uh, that you know old K-State uh, KU rather alumni that have settled in those areas and they'll definitely come and cheer as loud as ever so yeah no we get a lot of support on the road mate we're very fortunate and I know we mentioned in our last talk earlier this season kind of at the the beginning of the year uh you had some new players that were kind of working their way into to bigger roles how have some of the new guys how have some of the younger players who may be stepping into bigger roles from last year to this year how have they kind of uh, uh done so far in 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 this season really well mate yeah their development has been really good so We've had multiple debutantes every game we've played this season, which is really exciting for the club and something that we've got to keep doing to building our program. Uh, been particularly impressed by a young man called Jonah Delfino that's joined the team and he's 
he's now a constant on our starting wing for our college side and, and he's uh, been man of the match on multiple occasions. Uh, another couple of guys in the squad, uh, Peyton Cahoon, um, you know, really making their mark on the game. So every week we're seeing new debutants, which is which is great for developing a squad. As the season goes on, uh, I would imagine, you know, fatigue, injury, those sorts of things kind of come along with the season as well. So how important is just having depth and, and having a lot of players on the roster available for you guys over the course of the season? Yeah, absolutely. It's paramount. So we've got um, five regular starters at the moment that are out with, with injuries, some long-term. We've had some broken bones this year, which um, they won't be back until until the new year, obviously. Um, so, yeah, we always say that even though there's 23 selected on the day, you really need a squad of 40 to 45 um, to be able to to keep that team momentum going. So um, the more guys we get out, the better. Um, and we're also developing our club side, which is uh, we play games after the collegiate side, which is really important as growing new rugby players into, into um, those starting roles on the college team. That's got to be a pretty tiring day. Doing a couple games, right? Or, or is that is that second matchup? Uh, you know, is is that something that's more of getting those those guys who are maybe uh, not starting in that first matchup time, or, or is it some of the same guys that are playing as well? Well, some of the same guys will will go out and have another bit of a run around and, and to improve skills and fitness, which is really good. But really, no, we have this a second squad that comes on and and are developing rugby players, so we give them some time. You know, the guys that might have spent the college, some some of the time on the bench at the collegiate level, you know, they want to get some reps in in, in a game situation. So that second game for the development squad is really important. Mm-hmm. Well, has there been anything, just in terms of, I guess, strategically or, or style of play of what you want to do, is there anything you're doing differently this year than last year? Or is it at a point now where you've just been able to kind of establish a system and uh, try to develop guys into that type of system? Uh, we've absolutely flipped the system on its head. So, um, yeah, when we sat down at the beginning of the season, you know, you've got to coach the team. Um, it's kind of like the cattle and the farm. Like you've got to have the right cattle to suit the farm. So we have a a, a block of players now with a certain skill set and we, uh, we call them trademarks, individual trademarks. And what we do is basically base our, our game plan around their trademarks. So we lost a few players last year in key positions and we've got new players coming into those roles who play a different style of rugby. So we've got to, as a team, vary our structure and systems to suit that and we've done that. And, uh, you know, it was very obvious in, in the film review I did of the K-State game. We've got the shape and the structure there but when you, your fundamental skills are letting you down, um, you can't implement that shape and structure. Um, so we'll, we'll learn from that for sure and we'll come back better. But I think our, the structure that we're using now this year is actually a lot more complicated than the one we used last year, and it's and it's going to pay off in the end. And how does the kind of middle season work between, you know, when kind of the, the fall-winter sort of season comes to a close before you guys kick back off again? Are you guys practicing every week in between then? Is there a time off in between? How does kind of the schedule there work for you guys? We'll give the boys a little bit of time off uh, mid-November to recover from from this part of the season. But then we'll, we're basically bound by weather through November and December. And then in January, we'll start training indoors at Rock Chalk Park uh, on Wednesday nights um, to get back into the into the season. And then we'll, we'll continue to practice on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays as weather permits. So we try to get as, as much rugby in as we can before we start again in February. You mentioned at Rock Chalk Park. Are you guys 
Uh, where are you guys practicing in, inside for uh, for there? So we use that little tur- that it's not little. It's that turf facility in the middle of the complex, and uh, we get some good reps in on that. So it keeps us agile and fit, and yeah, it's a good good uh, it's a good program for it. Is is there I guess anything that I don't know? Like when you see in football. Uh, you see some of these big hits and everything in rugby. We hear more about like the fundamental tackling and anything. Uh, when you see some of these big hits, if you ever see anything in like football or whatnot, uh, I don't know. Like, what what would you be teaching, or, or what is the way that that rugby is more safe? I guess with the t- the tackling kind of side of it. Why why is that a thing with with the way that that is done? Well, in rugby, anything above your shoulders is is a no go zone. So there can't be any contact whether it's intentional or accidental with the neck or head. Uh, so you have to actually set yourself up a little bit. And you also have to wrap with your arms. So you're basically – it's like, um, you know, I watched the game last night with, uh, with um, the Chiefs and they got done for that roughing the passer yeah. where, in fact, he'd wrapped that player and taken him to ground. And that's what the rugby tackle has to be. You can't shoulder charge. Uh, you can't lead with your head. Um, so, and there, there's very strict penalties for that. You will spend time out of the game if you do do that. So that's, that's what we, we try to teach, uh, and from a safety aspect. And, and how much does that kind of help with the safety side of things? Like, is that, I mean, obviously there's still going to be injuries. Guys are going to break bones or, you know, pull a you know muscle or something like that. But it, it seems to me like some of the, the concussion injuries or, or some of the, I don't know, there are less injuries than you might think in a, in a sport like rugby. Yeah, so the, the the concussion stuff, we've definitely limited that. And and over the past 10 years, they've made rule changes that have had significant impact on reducing concussions in rugby, which is excellent. Right? We don't want that to happen to anybody. The broken bone part. So one guy's broken his collarbone with contact with the ground. So it wasn't actually the tackle. It was actually him falling to the ground. And the other one the guy was changing direction and broke his leg. So those two injuries actually weren't results of a, of a tackle per se. Um, they were just unfortunate accidents. So, yeah, I think we, we're, we're making the game safer every year. Uh, it's, it's good to see on all levels. So, again, one more home game to go. What are other ways that people can kind of support the program here as we, we head through this season? Yeah, so we, we're continuing our social membership drive, and, and you can reach out to us on our social platforms for that. Um, we also have on our website, which is kansasrugby.com, we've got a, a, a PayPal uh, opportunity there for donations, and that they are all um, uh, tax-free donations as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to reach out to us through those social networks to um, to support the club, and we encourage anyone to come out to Westwick Rugby Complex on that 5th of November to see a rugby game, see what it's all about, have a good time, and, and watch some good rugby. All right, that's Andy Stewart of the KU Rugby Club again going out on November 5th. And uh, that'll do it for this interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in Lawrence with the North location. Go say hi to Rick Renfro. Maybe check out his rugby uh, upstairs area. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Five o'clock hour. We're going to be joined by Sam Speck in studio for a Florida Man Mad Libs coming up here in about 15 minutes. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We have our KU defensive notebook for KU's sixth game of the season. I I don't think I would classify the TCU game as a good game 
for the defense. I do think they kind of did enough. And, like, that game kind of felt similar to me to a couple of the other defensive games they've had, like maybe the West Virginia game or the Houston game or the Duke game. Again, it wasn't like a, an unbelievable performance. It wasn't the Iowa State game that won you the game. But it was it was good enough. I think that's kind of what this defense is overall. It's not like an elite defense. It's not a bad defense. It's just kind of like a been an average defense so far this year. And I think that's what you expected from that game. But then you you mixed in the fact of how good TCU has been on the offensive side of the ball. You were excellent in the first half. You got two turnovers. Um, they only had one turnover in the first half. Yeah, yeah I they just meant two turnovers fumble. for the game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. You did well against the run. They were averaging like seven yards per carry coming in. You held them to like four and a half in yeah. the game. Are you Okay. We had this discussion last week. Yes. Are you ready to rubber stamp the run defense as fixed? I am now. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, I think what I said it's last got, week. It's got the Derek Johnson seal of approval. It does. Boom. Run defense is solved. Yeah, because I think what I said last week was that it's definitely better than this week, but I'm I'm hesitant because TCU is averaging like seven yards per carry, and I don't want to say it's fixed, and then you go into the TCU game, and they run for like 250 yards, 300 they, yards. They did have some big runs. They did. But. I, I tend to agree with you. I think for the most part, they did a pretty good job. Yeah. You don't want to be giving up, you know, 160 yards on the ground on 4.6 yards per carry every game. But if that's what happens against one of the best running teams that you're going to play, that's totally understandable. Okay. So, yes, I, I am to say this run defense is fixed. Also, you've brought up a couple different times the average college football offense gives up 30 points or scores 30 points a game. Yeah. Kansas's defense is giving up 30.33 points per game, I think. So does I think that that's make in Big 12 play. Only Big 12 play? Mm -hmm. okay. It's like 26 overall, but okay. that includes so the Tennessee that, Tech game. Does that make them then just an average defense? Yeah, I think it does. I, I, I kind of think that's where I'm at with this team, which that doesn't sound like a compliment, but I honestly mean it in the most complimentary way because <laughs> last year, I mean, seriously, you were one of the yes. worst defenses in college football. You probably were in Power 5 last year. You gave up over 40 points per game. So to make a jump from what that was last year to even if you are just average, that's good enough. And guess what? You know what average teams do every year? They, they go to bowl, bowl games. games. Yes. <laughs> they go to bowl games. Because there are 80 teams that go to bowl games. And if you're average, that means you're in the top, like, 65, 70. Yes. Congratulations. So that is a good thing. I am buying my ticket to the Cheez-It Bowl tomorrow. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> Cheez-It Bowl, baby. I would love it. I mean, if, if we go to the Cheez-It Bowl, I will... No, I was going to say something rash. That would not be smart. Oh. I was going to say I would eat Cheez-Its for a week, but I no, that's I a horrible decision. That's not a you bad decision. You will eat Cheez-Its for, for all your meals. Oh, 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 you're saying like for every, you only eat, you'll <laughs> yes, you only exclusively eat Cheez-Its. Cheez Correct. Correct. <laughs> well, that's like, that's like that, that documentary <laughs> supersized me with McDonald's except Cheez-Its. Yeah. Which, I mean, you're, uh, not to get like, okay, too okay, okay, okay. not to get too like gross, but I feel like you'd be like. Pooping well, out orange turds, which that would not be ideal. <laughs> well, I was going to say, hypothetically, would you be allowed to ingest different flavors of cheese? <laughs> yes, yes. Because then at least you could break up the monotony of it. Yeah. White cheddar cheese its are my favorite. Um, there's a lot of good flavors. I'm honestly, I'm honestly just an original guy, honestly. I mean, you can't go wrong with the original. You, you would have to mix it up, though. If you're eating it for a whole yeah. week, you'd get so tired. No, yeah. no, we're not no, doing okay, what about, not doing like, What about one day? I think I could get by on a day, but I still, that sounds horrible to me. How many Cheez-Its would you have to eat in that one day? To, like, be sustained to like and, be and feel like you're yeah, full? Yes. <laughs> like, are we talking, like, That's a great are you going question. through a whole box? 
I think you, you have to through... go through a whole box. I might no. go through two boxes. Two boxes. <laughs> but then you're going to have such a stomach ache. <laughs> it's a horrible idea. So, no, that's off the table. That's off the table. Then okay. again. Okay. See? Okay. Right, yes. Wait, 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 wait. I have an idea. What's that? All right. Whoever loses game picks for <laughs> just the college football side, I guess. Okay. Because by that time, college football will be over. If Kansas is playing in a bowl game, by the time we get to that bowl game, whoever has the worst record... Got to do something. Got to eat cheese. It's the, the day of the bowl. Well, what other bowls it? could they go know. to? What if it's like uh, <laughs> it's the Houston Bowl? Like you got to like the Tangerine Bowl. You got to eat tangerines all day. I don't know. Again, there's something there. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry for the sidetrack. There. No, you're fine. Anyways, there my, is. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say my my question, my biggest thing with KU defensively so far this season has been when they have faced a top level receiver, they have. Not just struggled, like it's been really, really bad. Yeah, Bryce Ford Wheaton, eleven catches for over a hundred yards, back in the West Virginia game. Nathaniel Dell only had six catches for seventy-six yards. I think against against KU, but he was still the leading receiver for Houston. But really, they did a decent job against Nathaniel Dell. Well, see, that's my and question. Then Xavier Hutchinson, and then Quentin Johnston. What yeah. was your question going to be? Because Nathaniel Dell is more of a like. He played in the slot a lot. He's more of an undersized receiver. Is this a problem KU has just against any number one receiver, or is it they have a problem against number one receivers who are also big? I think it's any number one receiver, and I understand where you're coming from, but they did not let Xavier Hutchinson beat them deep. He beat them on crossing, which, again, quote-unquote beat. I mean, KU won the game, obviously, but uh, Hutchinson had 13 catches in the game. But a lot of them were. They were underneath crossing routes. And, but Hutch- yeah. Hutchinson's a big and guy. And also contested catches where he was getting hit and held onto the ball. Like, but I wonder. He's a he's a, he's still a big guy. Iowa State just didn't use him the way yeah. TCU did Quentin Johnston against KU. I'm just saying he still had, like, catches in the middle of the field. You're right. They weren't deep, but that might have been 10 yards down the field if they weren't a crossing route that he held onto yep. that he got hit over the middle of the field. I wonder if that's the problem, if it's the big receivers who can go over the middle of the field and make contested catches and make, you know, catches where you're getting hit and can come up with the football. But I will say this. Quentin I Johnson, think this week will be a good test. Marvin Quentin, Mims is more of the Nathaniel Dell type. Quentin Johnson obviously had a huge game, 14 catches, yeah. 206 yards and a touchdown. But there were two other TCU receivers that made Fantastic! They did. Tay Barber had that one great yep. catch, and uh, the other guy, his name is Sam something. I don't remember the other guy, but I uh, yes, yes. So they had, they had two other receivers make just, great plays. It wasn't and consistently. I wonder though is is it is it safe to say or would or could you say that TCU's receiving core from top to bottom might be the best one KU will see the rest of the season? That's a good question. Oklahoma has Marvin Mims, but they're not as deep at it. I think uh, Oklahoma State's pretty deep, right? Yeah, Oklahoma State. Texas has got some guys out there. Mm, I, it's certainly up there. It might be okay. number one. It might be. But it really was just Quentin Johnson. You brought it up. Like, they, they did have those other big catches, but, yes, so that it, was good to bring up. Between, but nobody else had more than two catches. Literally, between the 20s, it was all Johnson. Mm-hmm. And he even dropped a couple, too, actually. Yeah. Well, this is this was crazy. So I tallied it up. Bryce Ford Wheaton, Xavier Hutchins, and Quentin Johnson. So the number one receivers who are all big guys of the three big 12 opponents you've played. Total it up. Those three guys combined for 38 catches, 459 yards, and three touchdowns. Everyone else on those three teams, in those three games, had 42 catches, 501 yards, and four touchdowns. So essentially... Less touchdowns. Yeah. Essentially, half of the receiving production that has gone against KU has just come from one guy in every game. So I think you mentioned this 
maybe yesterday, earlier last week, about the strategy of, okay, between the 20s, we're going to let one guy just tor- just toast us, just torch us, but we're not going to let anybody else do anything. And maybe that maybe that is KU's strategy. I don't know. It didn't work. It didn't work against TCU, but it works against Iowa State. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson got everything he wanted underneath yeah. across the middle. Didn't do anything else beyond that. Now Bryce Ford Wheaton did have some big impact plays really throughout the entire game. So yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that is KU's strategy. But my the other thing I'd want to I would want to kind of bring up here that maybe softens the bowl a little bit of the TCU game is I'm not sure there were very many corners in the entire country that could have stopped Quentin Johnson with what he was doing and how he was playing on Saturday against KU. Like he was, he was just that much better. Like, I don't, I don't know that there was a lot of guys that you could have thrown out there against him that would have slowed him down. So I don't know if that gives, I don't know if that maybe consoles you as if you're worried about the secondary or, or, or whatnot. But I I really do believe watching that game. I was like, man, you could put anybody on this guy and he would be doing what he's doing right now. You could be right. Keep in mind, like that's not just a guy who's like a you know a good yeah, college. Yeah, he's a receiver. top one All American receiver, and he's going to be a first round draft pick in the NFL. Like he would be a guy that it's like, oh, get him for Patrick Mahomes, please. So, yes. yes, that is important to bring up. But now I think the fact that it's happened to two other guys too, like it is starting to be kind of a trend. <laughs> no, it's definitely there. a trend. There's no question about that. I think, like I said, with Oklahoma this week, because Marvin Mims is a shorter guy. He's like five foot eleven. He actually is pretty good at catching jump balls and plays downfield really well. So it's kind of similar yeah. in that way. But he also plays a lot in the slot, so he might be a little more similar to Nathaniel Dell there. I'm gonna if, be honest. At Borland's press conference today, mm-hmm. which we'll play the audio tomorrow. You asked him the question about Marvin Mims. Yeah, his answer was not very inspiring. Yeah, and that KU is like not playing a pushover or anything. Like, yeah, he's he's a dude on the outside, but. That means if KU slows him, not shut him down, but if he has you know only 50, 60 receiving yards and doesn't do what those couple guys did, then I think I'm going to walk out of that saying, yeah, KU's issue is more with tall receivers. But I don't know why, because Melo Dotson is a taller corner. Jacoby, Kobe Bryant's not a really a big corner, but Dotson is a pretty big Kind of lengthy, corner. yeah. Yeah. I wonder so why is that an issue? I wonder if it just uh, – I'm not, like, in the weeds enough on, you know, what does super well and, and uh, are they in a cover two, cover four, whatever they're doing. But I, I just wonder if – because sometimes KU's defenses, they do with, like, the crossing routes, for instance, or, like, kind of intermediate routes. They're like, hey, we're just not going to try to get beat deep. And if they, – they basically play a defense sometimes where it's like, we're going to try to make the opposing quarterback complete a tough pass. He's going to have to – Fire it into a tight window. The receiver is going to have to make a contested catch. If he can hold on to the ball and while getting hit, while having a guy in pretty good coverage right there, we're going to live with it. I think sometimes the Chiefs operate that way with Steve Spagnuolo, too. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes when you play elite talent at receiver, if that's what just, you're going to make them do. Just get cooked. Exactly. You're going to make them say, hey, make a <laughs> tough play over and over again. They're going to say, okay, great, because I'm really good and I'm going to be able to do that. So I think it might be something a little bit schematically, but I also think there is something to the idea of, like I remember Bill Self when when KU played Kansas State with Michael Beasley back in 2008. He basically, in the matchup in, I want to say it was Allen Fieldhouse, and maybe he was in both matchups, he was like, hey, we're just going to let Michael Beasley you know, have his, like, we're not going to double team or triple team or whatever. He's going to have his day. And he did. He had like 40 points, but we're just going to shut down everybody else. And you're not going to be able to do everything because it's going to be kind of empty calories there. There's a part of me that thinks that's the idea for what KU's defense might be doing here, where it's like, 
if we double or triple this guy, it's just going to let somebody else have a be- a good day. Let's just see what we can do. And I think in the case of Xavier Hutchinson, to your point, yes, it, it did. But against it did not DCU, it just did not. DCU. And it did not work against West Virginia. Yeah. So I think sometimes you live with it in a good way. Sometimes it burns you a little bit. And maybe that's just the case for the and uh, I wonder. Game. I wonder if the TCU run game maybe did not allow KU to play the same style of defense they played against Iowa State. Because against Iowa State, it was clear that they were playing to not get beat deep. And I wonder if they couldn't play that way as much as they would have wanted to with maybe two deep safeties because they were so concerned about the TCU run game. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up as well. Just one less guy that you can kind of have on the back end. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our KU Defensive Notebook. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Sam Speck will join in studio for Florida Man Mad Libs. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depending on it. Sam Speck joins us in studio here. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk for another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. Though, Sam was telling us in the break, a lot of these might not be in Florida. So, I guess this week we just call it Man Mad Libs. Well, and that was kind <laughs> of headline, you know, headline Mad Libs. Yeah. We had to preface that at the very beginning of these. I try and make them as current as possible. Now, yeah. n- not all of these happen in the last seven days. And then I try and make it as specific as possible. But I started going down a pretty violent rabbit hole when I and stuck to the state of Florida. Florida. Just, so, just to clarify, they've never had to have been only Florida. Like, yeah, the, yeah there, the, there has the been. Segment is titled Florida Man Mad Libs, but really, it's just crazy headlines. And, and truly, it's based off it, the Florida Man it meme. Typically involves yes. Florida Man, but it doesn't necessarily have to. Well, and talking about Florida Man, it looks like we have changed positions in terms of your guys' character caricatures on our standings. Derek now in first place. However, we're tied at four and four in the standings. So Nick, you can easily take that back this week, but you still have some room to make up in the overall point value. Derek yep. with twenty four, Nick with twenty. So, gentlemen, you ready to hear uh my favorite of the week, and then we'll get into rounds one, and then one, two, and three into the second. Yep. Let's go. Alrighty, here's my favorite man of the week. So a married man drives 400 miles to meet a Facebook female friend only to discover it was a hoax set up by his rival fans. So just imagine yourself as Wait. a Chiefs fan and you met maybe somebody online and then Where you drove the blank. Um, no, 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 that was this his is favorite, favorite of the week. This is my favorite oh, of the week. Oh, okay. But again, just to put yourself in the okay, shoes so of you're a Chiefs saying fan, like, uh, he traveled, to, put yourself in the shoes of a Chiefs fan so traveling been, to California just to find out that, oh, it's an Oakland Raiders fan that catfished so he, me. Okay, yeah, so he got yes. catfished by somebody who was a fan of their Ooh, fans. wow. Yeah, that's a, that that's a tough, a tough one. one. Now, again, why that made the news, I have no idea, but those are articles that we find. But here is the first one of point value, and again, within the first round, only one redacted word. And this is, uh, surprisingly enough, our only Florida man challenge of the day. A Mm. Naples man calls 911 about his McDonald's order, and he states (laughs) that he has cocaine in his blank. So, again, there's only one redacted word out of this. Now, again, this could be many different. Is he the victim here? Is yeah, he the suspect? yeah. I, I, that's what I'm very is curious. About. Well, you yeah. know what would be genius? He got he gets pulled over by a cop, and he, he has a McDonald's in, bag. He stuffs it, he in, stuffs his, it uh, in there, and then he goes, "Oh, I'm going to call the cops right now before they come up to the door, so that it looks like I'm clean here." Well, you uh, guys are going to be surprised at this one, but here's <laughs> are the three blanks because I do have context to this story. So, a Naples man calls the authorities nine one one about his McDonald's order because he states he found cocaine in either his fries, his bag. Or, unfortunately, his drink. So, of those three items, where did he find 
or okay. at least inspect or wherever. Again, I'm trying not to give up too many clues. Yeah. I'm there could be questioning the drink because how like what how would he be able to locate it unless it's in like a unless it's in like Probably a bag a or thing maybe or something I don't know. But or, like then how would you know what cocaine tastes like? Like if someone put cocaine in your drink and you drank it, I have an idea. you would probably know it tastes weird. But would College you? Is weird would you know that Florida, it's cocaine? <laughs> what if he ordered tea, and it was like the tea bag? Oh god, was they it don't actually put the cocaine. tea bags in the tea when you normally order tea. I've never ordered tea from McDonald's. I don't really. Know. Oh no, I'm a, listen. I'm a tea aficionado. You don't, like, don't put the tea not bags iced in tea. The tea. Not iced tea, like straight up tea. Do they even have tea? I don't, I don't know. know if you can buy that. They have sweet and sweet I was tea there. Yeah. It would be like I was thinking it would be the fries, but the cocaine is like sprinkled on like salt. <laughs> So he ate like it. Like on the fries. He he inspected. He's like, this isn't salt. <laughs> he's, like, he's been up for four hours, and he's just like, boy, that wasn't salt yeah, on there. I'm going okay. with fries. I'm okay, walking so, in fries. Uh, Nick is going with fries. Again, either fries just in his bag or in his drink. After ordering his McDonald's order, a man called 911 to report that cocaine was discovered in either of those. Again, fries in his bag or in his drink. Derek, where are you going with this? I'm going to say bag. That makes the most sense to me because my guess is somebody who was working there was going to like sell cocaine or something to somebody else. And what? You've, you've nailed it. I, I didn't think anybody was going to even come close to this. <laughs> Wait, what? It's well, bag? Saying, the, it, it, the employee put it in the bag because he was going to sell it to somebody else, and he mixed up the bags and accidentally gave it to the guy in the did you read the, Did you I read did the not, headline? I swear. Are you That's sure? made sense to Because me. If, I, if, wow. if I were to actually read through the headline... So, okay, here it is. Naples man calls 911 about his McDonald's over, uh, order excuse me, and states he has cocaine in his bag. So he found a bag of cocaine, which exactly, after further review meant to go to a different person in the drive-thru, which had previously purchased wow. that order. So, That's again, crazy. I don't know what kind of research you're... You came in... You no stormed, research. You stormed no in research. here thinking that Nick and I were sharing answers, and now I think yeah. you might It's have. always the, the ones that are the loudest <laughs> that are actually <laughs> cheating. Uh, but... That, um, it, that's, I, I think the first time where you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, the, literally, that's I, exactly what happened. I'm a winner. I am what can questioning, I say? I'm questioning that one. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to challenge, but I am I am questioning. Now, as much as folks might think Derek gets extra credit and a pat on the back for that one, that's about as much as he gets because that's only one point. So yeah, now we'll move on to the second round. Right. Just because you got right the story in. right doesn't mean that it's much more than the point value that it is. So let's move on to round number two and two redacted words. Now, this one is probably... Maybe debatably one of my favorite ones that I've ever brought to you guys here. It's random, it's weird, it's all over the place, so keep that in mind. So, okay. a blank walks into a bar, drinks out of a pint of beer, fights a blank, but he loses. Is this, is this the punchline for a joke or an actual headline? No, this is a legitimate headline that I had found. I don't know what sort of gazette or some sort of times or whatever <laughs> town that this one's coming out of, but indeed, a blank walks into a pub. Drinks out of a pint of beer, fights a blank, but he loses that fight. So, we'll start okay. with the first redacted word. Either a man, easily enough, right? A man walks into a pub, a cat, or a duck. Again, I don't, I'm trying to pronounce that. A duck walks into a pub, drinks out of a pint of beer, fights a blank, but he loses that fight. So, we got a couple animals, or we have okay, a basic I, man. I, I don't think it's man, based off of... What everything else building up to it? <laughs> I I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with duck. Okay. Because I like do cats do cats like beer? I don't feel like they would 
Would a cat go for beer? Uh, my cat's like condensation. A, a duck likes beer though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the heck is a dog I'm, or a duck I'm, doing there? I, I don't. I can listen. I'm just saying I could envision a duck drinking beer more than I could envision a cat. Okay, okay. I am gonna go cat again. I the idea that. The other options are animals, and the one is a human. Makes me think it is an animal. Like, otherwise, you would be like a man, a woman. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be other human options. So, I'm going to go with cat. Cat, to me, makes more sense because there'd be a stray cat. Duck is more random. Cats mess with stuff all the time. So, I'll say cat. And sometimes... I'm thinking ahead to the fighting part. Okay. What does a duck ever fight? A cat (laughs) could see something that's, like, pawing at it. A duck could easily fight anything. What are you talking about? All right. Okay, so there's our uh, our deep insight of where we're looking at this from these two. So either a cat, a man, or a duck walks into a pub, drinks out of a pint of beer, fights a blank, but loses. He either fights the bartender, the mechanical bull, or a dog and loses. So, so again, dog the here. man could make sense here because if he's drunk enough and he tries to fight a mechanical bull or a bartender. Or no, I'm okay. I think it's. I'm gonna go with bartender because okay. the duck comes in, the duck drinks some beer. The bartender goes, "Why is there a duck drinking beer in my bar?" He's like, goes to try to get the duck out. They tussle, and the bartender beats the duck, <laughs> or Sorry, wins <laughs> wins against the duck. So I'm going with bartender. Okay, bartender for because the duck Nick. the duck wouldn't fight the mechanical bull and. I don't think there would be a Maybe dog. Maybe he's late on his insurance payments. I don't know. So, <laughs> Okay, I... <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Honestly, I'm going to go with the mechanical bull. I think that the cat came in, licked somebody's beer or something, walked over to the mechanical bull, and was like, was like what's going on here? Yeah, it was, was like, like what's moving going around? On and it tried to paw at it. It got a little curious. You know, curiosity killed the cat, and it... Touched it or something, and it like got and it knocked to the side. And hit him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Left. Okay. I can buy it on that. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I uh, again, I always try and sprinkle these ones in there. But again, when you read this, it's always funny to listen to. But this was as simply as put: Duck walks into a pub. He drinks out of a pint of beer. He fights a dog that was just sitting wow. around. He was a service dog, and he lost to that bid. Uh, I think all of us could probably see. So that it was fight a duck, going. though, right? It was a duck. Okay. Here we go. Um, on the board. Comes away with a point. On there, the board. Tying I'll things up. up at one. Nobody got the second redacted word there, but again, simply enough, that's where it was. So let's continue on with this weird theme here. <laughs> Number two in round two, a local granny's blank is so big, it's becoming a blank to the public. Okay. <laughs> so we'll start with the first uh, redacted word here. The local granny's bush is so big, it's becoming a blank to the public. A local granny's statue is so big, it's becoming a blank to the public. Or a local granny's hair is so big, it's mm. becoming a blank to the public. We'll get to the second redacted word in a moment, but okay. I started off. Thoughts the, there? You know. I don't think it would be hair. But think about it. If she's a granny and she's maybe she's like wanting to relive her glory days got of like the 80s. Pump. Yeah, of like the 80s. And she's got, you know, this giant, you know. No, I just think, think like, so? it's easy to not be a problem to the public because she can just walk away. She can walk into another room. I'm going to go with Bush because it could just be something that is, it's causing issues for her neighbors. People can't park there, causing issues in the in the cul-de-sac. I don't know. Okay. In the neighborhood or the street yeah. or whatever I was, it may I was, be. I was thinking Bush, yeah, maybe, but 
The other option was statue, right? Mm-hmm. Statue, okay. bush, or her hair are the three. Statue wouldn't make sense. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... I'll go with statue, just because Derek picked bush. I'll go with statue here. She got some kind of statue, and maybe... I mean, I don't know how... It could be huge, I guess. I don't know. She put it up in her yard or something. I think it could be something she should like. She could be getting like canceled for. Could be location wise, like too. a Maybe naked statue. Yeah, like it's like a replica statue of David or something. No, I don't even think. I don't know. It might be like something bad. I don't know. Maybe oh. you put a statue of Trump in Berkeley, Oklahoma, or something <laughs> like that. That would be an issue. Right? Right, I'm gonna go with statue. Okay, so statue for Nick, and we got Bush, <clears throat> Bush for Derek. Uh, it's becoming a blank to the public, either a tourist attraction. A nuisance or a hazard to the public. So again, a local granny's blank, either statue, her hair, or her bush. That would be amazing if her hair was a tourist attraction. But you never know. We've heard crazier things. See, I think that's what it was. So big, it's becoming either a tourist attraction, a hazard, or a nuisance to the public. So gentlemen, we've got your answers on the first redacted word, but either hazard, tourist attraction, or nuisance. What are we thinking? I'm... (laughs) <laughs> See, my initial thought was that it was causing problems, but now I'm kind of thinking, the tourist attraction one? That's a big bush. No, <laughs> I... <laughs> hmm. I'm going to go with hazard. I don't know why. I'm going with attraction because I actually think it's hair. Now, I, I, I'm not going to change my answer because I can't. That's against the rules of the game. I think it's hair, though. But I do think the second answer is attraction. because, But it could be a statue, I guess, too. But I'm going with attraction because, it, yeah, it could be just some wild statue of something I don't even know what. Something totally crazy that people become interested in. I actually saw a story where this guy made giant busts of all the American presidents. But then they got some of them got destroyed, so they put them all in, like, a field. And it's like a graveyard of, like, all the busts of presidents. But it's, like, so random that it's like a tourist attraction now. People go and see, like, the busts of, like, all the broken up presidents' heads. I, I have actually heard of that, and yeah, yeah there's a, there's a weird kind of connection for some people in that touristy fact. So yeah, so I'm gonna go with a tourist attraction. So here to is go with the full, without any redacted words, article here. Local Granny's bush, so big, and we're talking about a plant here. Thank God, uh, is becoming a nuisance to the public. Please so, explain what would be the other option. Do I really need to go into I'm detail, just, or should we just you. allow your no, uh, just, your imagination <laughs> to kind of go with there? That's what I loved about this one, because again, it's so it's so kind of uh, innocent, but at the same time, it's how you word things yeah. sometimes. So that's what, Wait, I what love was the about second one. So, uh, nuisance. So you didn't get the second. Yeah. So yeah, the second one, Man. the first one did go to Derek though. You got Bush, so it uh, was the Bush. I'm up uh, two to one. Not the statue. Two to one so far as we head into our final round. Two redacted words. Here we go. A man was banned from an airline for wearing blank during mask protocols, so you can imagine something around his face, then compared himself to blank. <laughs> As if he was some sort of... The second one's going to be like Jesus or yeah. Gandhi yeah. or something. You're on the right track. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So a man banned from an airline, uh, I believe it was American Airlines, but again, this is just the, the headline itself, for wearing a blank, either a Michael Myers Halloween mask, <laughs> a full hazmat suit, or a thong, during mask protocols, and then compared himself to blank. So we'll start with the first three. Wearing, again, it's spooky season, folks. Michael Myers, that'd be a little, little concerning. A thong or a hazmat uh, suit. Blank. So I think, uh, where I think it's either, I think, I think it could be the Mike Myers mask. Or I, I legitimately think it could be a thong. I do too, but like. I'm going thong. But, 
The problem with picking thong is I'm having trouble coming up with the other side of this. There, you know? uh, what do you mean? There's no logic to it to begin with. There is with. no comparison. Yeah, so yeah. What, I don't understand. What What do you mean you're having trouble? Because there's no logic to begin with here. I'll go thong, thong as well. I'll okay. go thong. I'm, I'm not going to pick. So back to my, my headline judging stuff. Thong. I don't think that they would put Michael Myers Halloween mask. That's too many words for headline. Oh, my God. Again, going within his... Uh, I'm going thong. Or, going thong. We're both going thong. Yeah. We're both going thong. Just because you so both... It comes down to the final answer here. It does. Just because you both are correct, it is thong. Um, okay, so nice. we will we will take the first redacted word out. We'll just okay. uh, include that. In so the it truly here. comes down to the final answer. So a man banned from an airline for wearing a thong during mask protocols. He was asked to then escort the plane, but... He was comparing himself to either Martin Luther King, Donald Trump, or Rosa Parks. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> so these are pretty. These are. Uh, they talk about None of these have anything any to sense. do with the first one either. I'm, yeah. You're okay. welcome. Good luck. I am picking Rosa Parks. <sighs> Going with. I'm some... picking Rosa Parks. Okay. Listen, he's on the plane. He's being asked to leave the plane. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make sense? That's you the did something stupid right? there, though. Yeah. What? You picked before me, and now I can pick the same thing as you and secure the win. He could. So no, I, I needed to pick. We'll take Rosa apart. No, I needed to pick first. <laughs> I, I no, you did not. Well, where's, oh. the, where's the strategy here? Because I no, think he had I won't a be a jerk. One. I won't be a jerk about it. I will take something different just to put oh, the, okay. the game in. Oh, the oh end. I guess that's true. I guess yeah. if it's he right, he have a okay. two-one. Yes. but yeah, yeah, yeah okay. But I will pick something I different. That. I will pick something I different. Confused, just be. Martin Luther King, Donald Trump, or Rosa Parks. He's on a plane. He's being asked to leave. I think it makes the most. Yeah, kind of the storyline, right? To be clear, I do actually think it is Rosa Parks, but I don't. Then pick it. Okay, are you? But then it secures my win. Well, that's. Are you afraid of winning, Derek? No, I just. I don't know. It's not about fairness. Right. It's not like the Chiefs. Do you, you want know? to pick someone else to give you a chance at winning? Because I do want Rosa Parks. I would. So I'll let you change your answer because then it gives you the just chance. Go, to win. Hey, hey, gentlemen, here's what I'll yes. say. Just go with your gut. And I'm going Rosa Parks. Okay. I'll Rosa just Park? pick Rosa Parks. All right. Park at, at this, I'll just. Okay. I'm just going to pick to get the most. And guess what? Okay. You're both right. So good okay. for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It you, made you, the most you, sense. Exactly. It did make the most sense. Exactly. You came out with it. And Nick, it's not. Yes, you took the. the yeah, loss. I got some more points. You took the loss, but hey, you you were only one point in difference this mm. week. It, yep. It's not like it was a, a you know a blowout by any means. But yes, yep. indeed, Derek takes that five to four lead. He'll continue to build on his point value as well. But gentlemen, as always, it's fun here on these Wednesdays. Thank you so much for including me. We will see. You next time. Absolutely. That's so Derek gets the win, but man, close game. Yeah, good one. And uh, things are tight. It's five to four. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our Florida man, Mad Libs. This is Rock Chalk Blank Talk here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.